good, fam? It's Tuesdays with Tawana. Good to be in the building on today, on this fourth Tuesday of October. It would be five Tuesdays in this October as I am not really struggling, but grappling and wrestling with all the things that October brings from domestic violence awareness to breast cancer awareness to mental health awareness. And then there's a war going on outside and there's wars going on internally, externally. Whew. So welcome to Tuesdays with Tawana, season three, episode 134. Oh my goodness. Can you believe it? We've been doing this for a couple of several years now. Um, started with an inspiration from some activism work we were doing in, in Denver. So if you're here for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. We spend about 30 minutes together just chopping it up. Um, I am your host and your curator, Dr. Ted, Reverend T, Reverend Dr. Tawana Angela Davis. Um, I bring forth uh, a, a space offering community for us to build community. Building community doesn't mean that we necessarily agree on everything. It doesn't necessarily mean our viewpoints are the same, but we learn how to engage with one another and to humanize our experiences and to just be human and to show up with our in our authentic selves. So welcome. If you're here for the first time, just pop some comments in the, the chat and I will insert it into the narrative because this then is turned into a podcast, which is on all platforms. You can catch this on YouTube as well and Instagram and LinkedIn. So we are just doing our part in building community. Hey, what's going on, sister? Yes, good to see you, Tony, as always. Um, I hope to lay eyes on you soon. Hey, brother, I have the best big brother uh, in the world. I just want to let y'all know that officially. If y'all didn't know, now you know. Uh, my brother supports me in all different avenues because I stay doing something and if my brother could be there, he is there. And I am so, so grateful. Jan is in the building today. Yes, greetings, beloved queen, to you as well. Glad you are here. Um, there is nothing like, you know, the regulars. I love anyone who comes on, but there are just some who just constantly rock with me and I am so so grateful so um so for today um we're gonna chop it up a bit um you know kind of like a a pot of gumbo you know a little bit of this a little bit of that um and hopefully we'll leave this space um feeling good amid all of the turmoil and all of the things that are going on in our lives. So first I want to begin with, um, you know, being a, a breast cancer survivor in active treatment because I am uh, metastatic. I 
made a choice in in my life to um to live life and 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 to live it with some grace and uh open to learning and smiling and still having fun in the midst of this diagnosis most of you know some of my mantras include um I am not my diagnosis. Healing ain't easy. Um, so um, I focus on what expands. So I don't focus on the cancer. I focus on life. I focus on relationships. I focus on community because I would not be here today. I have no scientific background to this, but I know it, with my divine self and my spiritual acumen that I would not be here today because healing happens in community. And I am so grateful to have community across the country that truly um, descends love, light, and healing energy my way. I feel it. I live it. I believe it. Um, I, and I'm grateful. And I'm grateful. And at the same time, there are times when there are some tough moments. So, you know, usually when you see me on Tuesdays with Tawana, or I might be posting something, it's usually posting about the good stuff. That's one of the, the challenging things about social media. Um, some people post everything about their lives, and I, I try to leverage some semblance of discernment because I don't, because of my love for community, I don't want to just tell part of the story of the struggle. If I'm going to tell part of the story, it's going to be the part of the story that brings joy and not any type of worry or concern. Um, but last week I was under the weather um, and I am convinced that it had nothing to do with all of the traveling that I did. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to live my best life right? Trying to have a good time. So I went to Virginia Beach, um, was on a, at, in a hotel right by the water. Water gives me life. And I thought it was my time of respite to prepare for the busyness to come. So I had one day in between Virginia Beach before I f flew out to San Francisco to represent a pharmaceutical company, to speak to executives, day-to-day, um, -day, boots on the ground, beloveds, um, scientists, uh, just a lot of people. And to tell my story and to tell them how much I appreciate their hard work. Um, and this is a result of their hard work. So I happen to be on their the medications that they produce. Originally, I was on Catsila. Um, for the last, since 2017. And this last Monday, they switched me over to a medicine called Herceptin because Herceptin is a targeted therapy that targets the cancer cells and to make sure that they don't multiply and, uh, and chemo attacks, not attacks, um, addresses all cells. So it kills all cells. Um, Whereas a targeted therapy targets the cancer. So since I've been in some form of chemotherapy treatment since 2016, they, we decided, not they, because it's my body, my decision, my right. Let me just remind 
Y'all know this, my beloveds know this, but clearly the government don't know it. But anyway, another podcast. So we decided to switch medications to Herceptin to take out the, the chemo portion of it to give my body an opportunity to regroup because my platelets just weren't coming, coming up. Um, I'm, you know, I still, my liver, um, is, is not at a hundred percent. It's not at a point where, you know, cancer is there or, but there was some damage done, you know, a couple of years ago in the midst of my treatment. So on Monday, um, so I traveled to, to Virginia I traveled to San Francisco to speak twice. Um, I then went to Denver. We had our Soul to Soul Sisters had their our Sister Soul Search retreat. Then we had our strategic planning. Then I preached at Shorter Community African Methodist Episcopal Church that Sunday, flew in Sunday night, and had treatment on that Monday. Don't yell at me through the text thread and I already feel the energy happening, but I felt good. And I was doing things that I love, things that give me life, right? So Monday I go in for treatment and what they do for the first time since I was shifting medications, they had to um, increase the dosing um, for the first time. So instead of a half an hour and a half an hour's worth of infused medication through my port. Y'all know I, I have a port. Um, it was an hour and a half of dosing. That laid me out. Um, so I was out sick um, and really just resting. Um, you know, some of the side effects I did, you know, experience some of the nausea and the fatigue and... So I was out from work and resting and out from everything. Tuesday, I didn't do Tuesdays with Tawana, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, but I say all that to say, you know, there's a hard or a thin line between, you know, doing what you love and still acknowledging the fact that I am a breast cancer thriver and I'm still in active treatment. So trying to balance both sometimes can be very challenging because I wanna do what I love and I wanna do what feeds my soul. I love community. I wanna share my story with the world if it's going to save a life or 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 teach someone give someone a, a language to advocate for themselves or to build community for themselves so i do all these things not only for myself there is a benefit for myself but also to benefit others and to receive from others so there's this reciprocal relationship when you're in community and i love that i love that i don't like trying to figure shit out on my own you know, I'm, I'm at the place in my life where I can sit and listen um, and, and learn from others, whether you're my peer, whether you're younger than me, whether you're an elder, whether you're my big brother, whether you're my auntie who sent me a text like, um, what part of this looks like resting and sitting down? And I was like, oh, I'm being yelled at by my aunt. Um, but you know, there is a challenge and I just want to name that challenge because whether you are living, um, with a diagnosis, um, 
there is some semblance of equilibrium for you to offer yourself some grace and to find the time and make the time to take care of yourself and do the things that you love to do because then that will posit some semblance of peace and and joy and uh, serenity and you know you're not so focused on harmony yet reverend you better speak that I've been working on cultivating harmony beyond balance which feels to me more quantitative and isn't as fluid given what the moment or season calls for thank you so much harmony is the word that I've been looking for. And you cultivate that harmony. And I love what you said, Javon, about beyond balance, which feels to me more quantitative, which means like we're checking a box. We're we're adding, we're keeping score. We're 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 not truly embodying what that is and and what that means, whatever it is. So um it's so important to qualify it where it's um the experience right so my my phd is in leadership and change but i focused on my methodology was interpretive phenomenological analysis where i look at experiences i know that sounds all big and lofty but it's really looking at experiences of a controlled group and then making meaning or making sense of that experience so really doing like a, a experiential um, analysis of yourself. Like, how am I truly experiencing this? Am I just doing it to do it? Am I doing it to check a box? Is it really giving me life? Is this something that I really love to do? Is this something that I want to do? Am I doing it out of fear because my boss said this or my you know, community demands that or, you know, being um, an ordained minister in a church and, you know, being compelled to lead in this way when you want to be more liberative and inclusive and belonging. So just take a moment to really take some inventory, if you will, but not the type of inventory where you're checking a box and then those boxes that aren't checked, you're not giving yourself grace. You are experiencing that inventory. Like, who am I? And how do I choose to show up in the world? I preached for my beloved um, Reverend Alicia Bailey, who pastors St. John in Brooklyn. We did it virtually. And my sermon was, I am. You decide who you are and how you show up in this world. So speaking of which, oh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Nakia Robert is in the building. If y'all listen, if y'all don't go, when when y'all get off this this podcast vodcast, please go and follow Abolitionist Sanctuary. Follow Reverend Dr. Nakia. She is doing amazing work. Um, when I sit my behind down at some point in time, I'm going to talk to my Harlem sister to talk about how we can do some work together because there is a lot of buzz around being an abolitionist. And I want to make sure that I glean from the expert in the room, the divine expert in the room to begin to use that language in a proper way where we are abolishing, you know, the prison system. We are abolishing systems that are oppressive. So 
Um, I, I'm so grateful for you. Yes, Abolitionist Sanctuary. I love you. I love the work that you're doing. And yeah, we. <laughs> I, I could do a whole podcast on just Reverend Dr. Nakia alone and how she looked out for me during some very trying times during my trek um, for ordination and whenever she was in my town or if I was in her town, we do our best to connect. That's community. See, Tanisha, yes, reach out to, yeah, reach out, please make that connection for sure. So talking about, you know, abolitionist work and taking care of yourself and and showing up and making the demands that are needed for our community, for our culture, for our divine brilliance, for our community. Um, of course, you know, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Bless you, sister. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Nakia said, grateful for your work, sis. So now we're shifting to Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and it has been a little bit of a challenge for me because I've been called into spaces, um, invited into spaces where I have accepted um, the invitation to tell my story. And it's not an easy story to tell, but the beauty of it is, and I won't go into everything now, but the beauty of it is, is that the end game, right, is to ensure that once the thing that once was a wound is now a scar. And when I tell my story, I have to be very mindful that I don't turn that scar back into a wound. You call it triggering, call it, you know, having to relive a harmful experience, but you want to make sure, or I, my intention is to make sure that my storytelling is more of a bomb, a healing bomb over that scar to make sure that in the process, I am still healing. And since healing happens in community, that means that I am offering this bomb to someone else through language, through action, through seeing them, through humanizing them, through understanding their plight, their decision, not degrading or demeaning them because they are in an intimate partner, violent relationship, and then giving the tools and understanding that the tools, sometimes they, they work, but they don't really work to its fullest potential because we're working in a system that really wasn't designed for us to begin with. So even though we have things called a safety plan, how safe are we really when we don't have the systems and structures in place that provide safety for us in a healthy and humane way? way? How do we then use the tools when the same justice system is re-victimizing you and causing you to go back to your abuser? Because you, at least you know what your ill is. You know what's going to happen there. And, and it's, it's a horrible way to, to think. And I, I feel you. I get it. So when we talk about Domestic Violence Awareness Month, it brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of stuff. Whether you are serving in that capacity to help others, whether you are actually in an intimate partner violent relationship, whether you have just left and you are dealing with the ramifications of, of leaving and, and, 
and the difficulty and the challenges. So keeping in mind that the decisions that you make um, don't have to be in isolation. I know I tell my story. I, I said this the other day on a, a webinar that I did with Reverend Dr. Tammy Denise from Carrie's Touch, that every day that I come on a public platform in any way, shape, or form, it is a risk. I don't know where my form, where the abuser is. And I also corrected myself during the, the webinar as well. It's not my abuser. I'm not owning that shit. He's abusive. So I don't know where his abusive self is. And I, and I don't invite that into my space, which is why it's so important for me to make sure that I surround myself with people that are going to love me authentically, love me unconditionally, speak life around me and over me and get, you know, give me the energy, the healing protective energy that I need. But it's still a risk. It's still a risk. And I'm willing to take that risk because I want you to live and not die at the hands of these systemic ills. That's what I want. That's my utopia. That's my dream. That's, you know, I, I, I don't tell my story for anyone to feel sorry for me or for self-aggrandizement or my word is the only way. I am giving an example of the challenges because people really don't know. And it's not a bad thing, um, but they don't know what it takes to leave uh, a relationship, a violent relationship. Um, one may not know what it is to have this internal war inside of you when you are diagnosed with cancer, your good cells fighting the bad cells every single day. I am fighting for my life. And as Lucille Clifton says, every day something has tried to kill me and has failed between my recurrences, numerous hospital visits, numerous surgeries. It's like a war every single day. So, you know, the war is not only going on with Hamas and Israel. Um, and let me pause for a moment. If you haven't looked at my story, um, the honorable, beloved Angela Davis posted a reminder. And what I love about what she said was, she focused on Palestine. Again, what you focus on expands. So she focused on honoring the humanity of those in Palestine and what they've had to go through for hundreds, maybe even thousands, a thousand years, 2000 years, right? Because if you look at, you know, Christianity and Islam and, and the history. Anyway, so Palestine, she just honored and acknowledged the struggle and how we are responding. Um, we're doing what white supremacist thought does, and that's either or. Why can't it be a both and? Why are we funneling money 
into Israel when they cut off all resources that sustain beloved human beings, food, water, electricity, and then did it in the name of doing what what by any means necessary to stop Hamas. And we know in war, there are always other casualties, right? Just like the war that's going on in in my body, there may not be casualties, but there is this um, overflowing of of harm or concern, whether it's within my body, like the challenges that I have with my liver. I have a fractured rib on my left side. I have degenerative bone disease. And then I got to think about my children, how this is impacting my children. And then I got to think about how it's impacting my grandchildren. Then I think about how it's impacting my family, then my friends, then my community. So all of this spills over just like the war and the carnage. You know, you think you're focusing on Hamas, but when you blow up a particular area, Hamas is in the area where there are civilians, innocent civilians who are just trying to get out. And when they're told this is a way to get out and then you block the border, that is inhumane. So this war that's going on is not only going on in um, in uh, Israel and between Israel and Hamas. This war is going on right here in the States. We have a war that the houseless cannot get homes. People are losing their homes. I think Denver just posted a statistic like 21 Hundred or twenty-one thousand—I don't know. It was a big number that will lose their apartments um, or lose their homes because of all the other bureaucracy and red tape and you know capitalism that's going on. Um, there, there's a war going on where someone at home right now is being beat physically, emotionally, financially, verbally, spiritually. There's a war going on where someone is fighting in silence because, you know, they don't trust the system. You know, after dealing with Henrietta Lacks and the Tuskegee experiment and J. Marion Sims, how am I to trust the medical system when they don't even see me? They don't acknowledge my pain. I don't have... um you know, resources or universal health care, and I don't have the money to pay not only for the copay, but then for the percentage that I have to pay or the money that I have to pay in order for my insurance to go into effect. I mean, Tanisha just said every eight, every 16 seconds, someone is being impacted by domestic violence. Someone is dying. Someone is being beat. Someone is being impacted. A child is being abused or witnessing abuse. So when I say there is a war going on, there is a war going on and it must cease. We must dismantle these systems of capitalism, supremacy, uh, white supremacy, white power, 
hate groups, um, and make sure that we define, you know, who the terrorists are and who the hate groups are. Because how dare you put Black Lives Matter on a hate group or a terrorist group when, when we do peaceful protests and we have rubber bullets shot at us and a friend of mine had to have all her a whole massive dental work done because the rubber bull, rubber bullets hit her in her face there is a war going on but who are we fighting so we come together as community to fight against the systems that were designed to destroy us and I'll leave you with this. I had an opportunity to see a screening of God Talk by, uh, led by Dr. Teddy Reeves. And if you are in the DMV area, go to the Smithsonian, um, the National African American uh, Museum. Um, at two o'clock every day, they are screening this uh, documentary called God Talk. And it is absolutely powerful. And it talks about various religions or beliefs or stance, stances because there were um, atheists. There are those that consider themselves spiritual. There are those that uh, tap into African traditional practices, Christians, Muslims, Buddhists. It was absolutely amazing. And it was a beautiful example of how we can all coexist in those different spheres and still come together as black beloveds to dismantle these systems. We have the economic power, we have the divine prowess, we have everything that we need in the room. So now we just have to, not just, now we need to figure out or have an opportunity to figure out how to come together so that 41% of black women aren't dying at a higher rate of white women who are diagnosed with breast cancer. So we can reduce the number of black and brown beloveds who are killed by police. We can reduce the number or obliterate the number of black and brown people who are incarcerated unjustly. We can uh, dismantle systems that, uh, you know, won't serve you as a human being when doctors are called to first do no harm, and yet they are constantly doing harm to those in the black and brown community. So I can go on and on. This is our time. I thank you for joining. I thank you for listening. I thank you for um, accepting the invitation to join community, to build community, to be community, to continue to share in this dialogue. There is a war going on, but inside of us, we got to remember, or we have an opportunity to remember that we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. We have a joy that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. And if we hold on to that, that will then uh, that will then rise to the occasion, if you will, and give us the power that we need so that we might move forward and elect officials and judges and sheriffs and use our economic prowess, doing boycotts and coming together and building our own schools and worship centers and libraries and things of that nature. We can do it, beloveds. It's been done. How do I know? Because it's been done before. It's been done before in the late 17, early 1800s. And if it can be done then, and we have all this access right now, 
we can make it happen. We can make it happen. So our prayers go out to all of those who are, you know, in the midst of this, this war. We need to call for a ceasefire. It needs to stop. The carnage needs to stop. Um, it breaks my heart to see children, particularly children and babies, dying at the hands of a war that at the end ends up driving uh, more income into these allied countries. Um, it's a moneymaker and it's got to stop. It's got to stop. So there's a war going on, but we have the power. We have the power for a ceasefire and to call forth peace in our souls and our spirits and within our communities. This is Dr. Tad with Tuesdays with Tawana. I love you too, Tanisha. Jan, I'm glad that you, you received this and you love this. And all of you, thank you so much for being present and for those who will listen later. Share this with someone, encourage somebody today, especially during this month where we are bringing um, awareness, a heightened awareness, because breast cancer, domestic violence, mental, the quest for mental wellness is 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. So... Dr. Tad, Tuesdays with Tawana. See you next Tuesday at 2 o'clock Eastern Time right here on Facebook Live. I love you dearly. I'm out. Peace.